Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Um, I really um, chuffed because uh, Daryl talking about a spot check. That's kind of what I'm talking about too. And we didn't uh, confer in any way. We both <laughs> completely um, separately heard from the Lord. I'd like to start this morning with a, uh, a little uh, little bit that I read during the week from a guy called Sky Jethani. He says, My father has a love of gardening. For him, the winter is a miserable time. He grew up in India, a tropical climate, in a gardener's paradise. And even though he spent more of his life in uh, the Midwest than India, that's in America, he never really come to terms with Chicago winters. As a kid, I remember waking up each morning to find him in the sunroom of our house, in his bathrobe, watering his potted plants. A cup of tea in one hand and his water pot in the other. Mournfully looking out at his frozen flower beds. He was in that sunroom all winter, either cursing the snow or dreaming about the spring. When the ground finally thawed in the spring, he was giddy. My brother and I were less than thrilled, however, because we knew that spring thaw meant yard work, and a lot of it. Between the frozen winter and the fruitful spring, there were a few weekends of hard work. Oops, sorry. The dead plants and debris had to be cleared, the soil turned over, the beds fertilised, Everything had to be prepared, so the garden my father had been dreaming about all winter from the sunroom could become a reality. We've got a picture there of the reality <laughs> that he was dreaming about. And you can imagine what a garden in Chicago is going through at the moment with all the blizzards over there. There would not be a leaf or a blade of grass that survived through all the uh, snow and ice and blizzards and what do they call it, a, a bomb blizzard or something dramatic like that that's, that's hit Chicago at the moment. But well-established trees will survive through that time. They have a strong root system that can see them through and bring new growth when the spring comes. The new year is a season to take inventory of our lives, to have a spot check. Clear out those things that may distract us from our commitment to Jesus. Seek his direction for the future. In a sense, it's the season of preparing for spiritual growth. Our spiritual lives are like gardens. We can just let them drift along, getting the rain that happens to fall, getting the sun when it shines, and they'll grow a little. But so do the weeds, of course. Or we can plan and do a little work to help our spirit grow and produce. In my physical garden at home, there are two kinds of plants. The big well-established ones, the trees, big shrubs, and then there's the more vulnerable ones, the ones that I plant to have flowers and, and the, the, uh, the tomatoes that I plant to have some fruit. Uh, I go out and check on my tomatoes and my petunias every day, but I don't do that with the golden elm tree or the Japanese maple. But then trees don't produce tomatoes, do they? 
I have to plant tomatoes in the spring and look after them if I want to produce fruit. Some of us have been Christians a long time and we have some well-established strong plants in our gardens, our spiritual gardens, established habits of Bible reading and prayer, caring for others, worship and fellowship. And these things survive through the winters of life when we feel like we're only just hanging in there, but their roots are strong because we've established them. Others of us haven't been in the kingdom for quite such a long time and those big plants aren't quite as established yet. They're still building those habits into their lives and they're more easily attacked by the enemy. So working at establishing those things, prayer, Bible study, those basic things is really important because the winters will come. We all have winters in our life. But I do check the trees occasionally as there's a beetle called an elm leaf beetle that can attack the elm and it doesn't do much immediate damage but if left unchecked after a few years it can weaken the tree and eventually kill it. So there's always something that uh, we need to be checking even with our Bible reading and our prayer and our worship and fellowship. A few holes here and there don't do much harm. But if left unchecked, they can weaken my spiritual life. So it's a good thing to have an annual checkup on our spiritual garden. My spiritual life is a bit like my garden. The big solid stuff creates the structure of the garden, but if you want fruit or special flowers, you have to do some tending to those little seedlings or you have to prune and water and fertilise the fruit trees. So one thing we can do is to look back at last year and we can use these questions that are up to have a look and see what we can be thankful for, what can be what was challenging. What did God bring you through in 2022? What did God teach you? How did you experience God's love? What are your favourite memories? I've, written, I've uh, made a, a few sheets here with the questions on so you can take them home and actually think about them because it doesn't, there's not really time to uh, sort of think through and have a look at your life in two minutes while I'm speaking. God changed this year. When we start a new season in the garden, we often need to clear out some of the old stuff, get rid of the dead plants from last season and clear the ground in preparation for the next. To do this, we look back over the last year to learn from what we did last time, what worked and what went wrong. Some things that I planted have not done well, 
Some have died because they just don't fit into a hill's garden. Things that grew well in Wyala don't necessarily do well here because the climate's quite different. And I'm now in a different season of my life. So that applies to my spiritual life too. And it's no good just keeping on doing something that doesn't produce results. Albert Einstein's famous definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Sometimes we need to look back and see where a little change might be needed. And don't take the offences and hurts from last year into this next year. If there's something you need to forgive, take a moment to pray and surrender it to God. Tell him you need his help and that you trust him with the results. Recently, in our devotions, we've been reading from First Chronicles. And in chapter 28, we read King David's instructions to his son Solomon about preparing for building a temple for the Lord God. There's a picture of the temple, well, how they imagined the temple might have looked. It's an absolutely amazing building. The, uh, what David said to his son was, uh, but first of all, David gave his son Solomon the plans for the portico of the temple, its buildings, its storerooms, its upper parts, its inner rooms and place of atonement. He gave him plans for all that the Spirit had put in his mind for the courts of the temple of the Lord and all the surrounding rooms, for the treasuries of the temple of God and the treasuries for the dedicated things. He gave him instructions for all the different materials and what he should use to make different things, for the gold and the silver, and even down to the amount of gold and the amount of silver that should be used to make the tables and the lamps and the dishes and all the things that would be used. David and the people donated 300 tons of gold and 600 tons of silver, as well as bronze and timber and precious stones. That's an amazing amount when you think about it. Just to build the temple for God. It was a mammoth task task. But the part of David's instruction to Solomon that jumped out at me most was this part. You, my son Solomon, acknowledge the God of your father. Serve him with wholehearted devotion and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches every heart and understands every desire and every thought. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. Consider now the Lord has chosen you to build a house as a sanctuary. Be strong and do the work. With all the plans and the details, David reminds his son, the most important thing is to seek the Lord. Notice it doesn't just say seek him and you'll find him. It says he will be found by you. He wants to be found. Another little story that I read this week says, My daughter Zoe is two and a half and loves to play hide and seek. Sometimes she hides, but usually the game involves hiding my cell phone. Unfortunately, she doesn't yet understand the object of the game. She makes me close my eyes, that much she gets, but it's downhill from there. 
First of all, she always hugged my phone in the same place, on the stairs, in plain sight. <laughs> no matter how many times we play, she always puts my phone on the stairs. When I open my eyes, I know the phone's on the stairs, but I'll pretend like I don't see it. And I'll look on the sofa or under the table. It's my way of trying to teach her what the point of the game really is. When I've ended up teaching Zoe, or what I've ended up teaching Zoe is that her father's a complete idiot. <laughs> the moment I look somewhere else for the phone, she says, No, Daddy, the phone isn't there. It's on the stairs, silly goose. <laughs> and then she rolls her big brown eyes at me. There's nothing like having your intelligence insulted by a two-year-old. I've been trying to show Zoe that the fun of hide-and-seek is the seeking. But for Zoe, no matter what I try, the fun is always in the finding. God wants us to seek him. But like Zoe, he understands that the real joy is not in the seeking, but in finding. He wants to be found. He has not intended the Christian life to be an impossible hunt for an elusive God that requires enormous faith. Quite the contrary. The Christian life is a simple walk to a welcoming God that requires only childlike faith. David also said to his son Solomon, Be strong and courageous and do the work. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord, your, the, for the Lord God, my God, is with you. He will not fail you or forsake you until all the work for the service of the temple of the Lord is finished. Must have been an overwhelming prospect for Solomon. David was nearing the end of his long life and 40 years as a king of a sizable nation. He could foresee many difficulties that would come with a project of this size. He knew that Solomon would need to trust God through those difficulties. And we too, as individuals, and as a church, can take this word of encouragement for the year ahead. As we choose to do the work of tending our spiritual garden, our God will not fail or forsake us, even when the going gets tough. The message version says, Take charge, take heart, don't be anxious or get discouraged. God, my God, is with you in this. He won't walk off and leave you in the lurch. He's at your side until every last detail is completed for conducting the worship of God. So in our garden we have limited water. We don't have any mains water, we only have tanks. And uh, so I have to prioritise my watering, especially in the dry years. Tomatoes and petunias get water. The lemon tree and then the roses and the bigger trees and shrubs just have to fend for themselves in the dry time because there isn't enough water to go around. But you have to have priorities. So we can't work at everything in our spiritual life at once. It's too much. And our Heavenly Father generally puts his finger on one or two things at any one time. He knows we'll get overwhelmed if we try to work, tackle everything and at all at once. Because we can see lots of holes in our lives. We can see different things that we need to work on. But just respond to his prompting on those things and trust him with all the rest. 
But what are you hoping for in 2023? And what is one thing that you want to do differently, or one area to grow in? In a survey conducted last November, almost half of all American adults plan to make New Year's resolutions. Leading the pack was the intent on exercising more. They found that uh, we're most likely to give up as early as mid-January. <laughs> <laughs> so they decided to, to look at the data from Google and a fitness trade association along with the information collected from smartphones. As you might expect, we started off strong. Google tends to show that searches for topics related to exercise and weight loss spike right around January 1st each year. Almost 11% of all gym memberships of the entire year are sold in January, greater than any other month. So when do we start to fall off the wagon? The survey says it's the third Thursday of January when activities dip below the four-week average. They also looked at when there's a first uptick in fast food eating and the first downtick in exercise activity. The forecast for this year places that day on February the 9th, the second Saturday of the month, and just 40 days into the new year. But what I'm talking about today is not making a New Year's resolution. It's about seeking Jesus. Jesus said the number one thing in our lives should be to love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and strength. When we read the story of Peter walking on the water, we see him step out and fail, just like us with our best intentions and efforts. Something comes against us and we see the wind and the waves and begin to sink. Sometimes we just stop trying and walk away in shame. Peter didn't. He called out to the Lord, Lord, save me. A smart thing to do. And what did Jesus do? We tend to think that he told Peter off with his little faith. The first thing Jesus did was to reach out and rescue him. Once he was safe, Jesus invited him to consider, why did you doubt me? Jesus rescues us. He will always rescue us. When as a parent you're teaching your child to swim, you don't wait to lecture them about the dangers of deep water when they're getting out of their depth and begin to flounder. You grab them and pull them into your arms, reassuring them. Later, when they're safe and secure, you might talk to them about the danger and why they got into trouble. Dealing with failure like this, trusting in Jesus, is challenging for me. And that's one thing that God is challenging me to work on in my garden this year. I'm not good at this. I tend to get upset and disappointed when my stepping out ends in failure. My inner voice immediately jumps in and with the rebukes and I just want to walk away instead of crying out to Jesus for help. I forget that he's gracious and wants to rescue me, not rebuke me. When I'm rescued, I'm willing to try again instead of giving up. You may think you're too set in your ways to change much. Maybe you think you're too old. And the old saying is, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Mythbusters did one on that one and, and got a couple of 
apparently very stubborn-natured dogs who were seven years old and hadn't been taught anything. And uh, within four days had them sitting and rolling and shaking hands and all sorts of things. So they busted that myth. And uh, I'm not entirely sure that it always applies. Hamish has been uh, relegated to not sleeping on the carpet rooms since he's been ill. And he's not at all appreciating the idea. It's two weeks and he's still refusing to settle. He's getting up. And also when he's out walking, he's uh, still enthusiastic to go. He wants to go. He races out there. And we get up the road a bit and his legs start to wobble and they obviously hurting him and he sort of stands there looking at me as if to say, look, fix my paw like you do when there's a prickle. You know, it should just, you should be able to fix it and then I can keep going. He's not learning that uh, new trick either very well, (laughs) that his legs are no longer cooperative. Sometimes it just takes longer to learn for very old dogs. Not that they can't. <laughs> it just takes longer. <laughs> it, in, a real, in a real sense, our lives are like gardens. We each have a garden, a sphere, sphere of authority in our life, a realm that we control as the gardener. The borders of this garden vary for each person, but generally, We all have control over things like our time, our bodies, our relationships, our homes, our money. To seek God means we make space for him. We prepare our lives, our gardens, for his presence to dwell with us. Author Patrick Morley, who was a respected ministry, who has a respected ministry to men, said, The turning point in our lives is when we stop seeking the God we want and start seeking the God who is. Seeking God is not just about removing things from our gardens, it's also about building things, planting things, putting things in place that help us connect with the one we're seeking. There needs to be removing and there needs to be planting. We need to subtract some things so we may add others. We need to clear out the debris, but we also need to plant new seeds. Both are essential for growth. Practices that help us commune with God and experience his presence with us are called spiritual disciplines. They help us seek God. Things like prayer, solitude, meditating on scripture, fasting, serving others, giving, hospitality, worship, Preparing a garden in spring involves work, disciplines that prepare the soil to accept the seed, sun and rain that eventually generate growth. What I want you to see is that seeking God is not a linear pursuit. It's cyclical. Seeking God means removing obstacles, seeking him, finding him, which in turn gives us new courage to remove more obstacles seek him anew and discover God in an even deeper way. Some have described the Christian formation as being like a winding staircase. It repeats the cycle over and over, but with each cycle, 
we experience new heights of God's grace as we rise with each turn. And remember, God is a loving Father. Not if and when you mess up, but when you mess up. He will rescue you. He will not be an angry and disappointed Father. He may then, when you're calm and safe, invite you to think about why and what went wrong and to seek him for help and a way forward. Your garden is unique and beautiful. God has given you all the experiences of your life so far to prepare you for this new year. Ask him what he wants you to tend in your garden this year, what priorities he has for you, what needs to be cleared away, and what tending you need to do. Lord, we do thank you for last year and all that we learned, and we offer this new year to you. Lord, help us to take this check and to open our hearts to you and what you want to do in us in 2023. Amen.